Everything that we're reading now in the in the in the Gospel of, of Luke has the uh, has the shadow of the cross upon it. He set his face towards Jerusalem. So everything, in a way, is a commentary on what's coming. Uh, he's uh, he's so he tells he 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 goes and to have uh, a meal in the house of a Pharisee, and the scripture says. And they're watching him closely. And uh, I'm not a great Greek scholar, but the commentators who are great Greek scholars tell me that, that the, 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 the turn of phrase there means they were lurking. Right? They're, they're, they're watching him in the sense of watching somebody so you can pounce on them. You, know, you can find fault with them in some way. But he's watching also. And he tells this parable. Now parables are they're, they're their own thing. They're not, an, they're not an allegory. You know, an allegory is where you tell a story and, and uh, there's a kind of a one-off, one-to-one sort of relationship between. So uh, the lion, which in the wardrobe is an allegory because Aslan, the, the lion, is the Christ figure. That's the kind. But what a parable is, is it creates a, an experience. And it, it's, the, it's the whole experience which gives you a feeling uh, a way of imaginatively entering into what the kingdom of God will be like. And parables also have this principle to them. How much more then? Right? So he tells this story about people vying for places of honor at a, at a banquet. And he says, look, if the worldly wise are careful about vaunting themselves, right, lest, you know, may be disgraced and humiliated, then, then how much more then ought you to be careful about vaunting yourself with regard to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? Now these words that he's saying to us, be careful not to vaunt yourself. Be careful that uh, uh, not to Puff yourself up, lest you be deflated. These words that he says to us, they come with the awesome authority of the one who is going to his absolute humiliation. Who, 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 is, who is going to be despised and rejected and spit upon and crucified. He goes to Jerusalem to judge human pride, and he goes to Jerusalem to save us from our human pride. He goes to be humiliated, to be the lowest of all, that God might raise him up and exalt him to the highest place, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess him. King of glory now. He goes to be humiliated so that God can raise him up to the first place so that he can raise his brothers and sisters up to the first place. And if we would die with him and be humiliated with him, we will rise with him. Now there's something in the human heart. There's something in the human heart that resists this uh, active humility. Uh, Milton put into the words of Satan in his poem, Paradise Lost. This is what Satan says. 
better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. And what does the snake say to Adam and Eve in the garden when he tempts them into the original sin? You can be exalted. This is his promise. You can be exalted without humble obedience. You can be as gods. Now, uh, I've been thinking a lot this summer about uh, the mission of the church with regard to modern society and modern culture. So first of all, you have to figure out, well, what is modernity, right? What does it mean to be modern? And we can say a lot about the contemporary age. We can say a lot about the modern age. And there are a lot of questions. When does it begin and so forth and so on? You know, uh, but we can say a lot of things about it. Uh, it. We have seen scientific and technological innovations the like of, that are the wonder of the world. Uh, there's still hunger and there's still poverty, but masses of the world's people have been raised out of poverty in a way that is without parallel in the history of the world. And the 20th century is not a little bit more, but massively more bloody than any century in history. Was. Yeah, the 20th century. Was. Was. Past tense. Past tense, correct. Yeah, we're in the 21st century now. So um, it was. And so, uh, you know, so what are the big ideas of the 20th century? Well, one of the big ideas of the 20th century is uh, um, uh, <coughs> is uh, Marx, Karl Marx. And in Marx's earliest philosophy, 1844, he published something called the philosophical manuscripts, where he sort of is laying the basis for his, whole, for his whole system. And one of the, I mean, the primary premise right there is he has a reflection on, on human freedom. And he says, if you're dependent, you're not free. So therefore, God must not exist. It's very interesting. It's not, I conclude that God does not exist. It's, if I'm going to be free, God must not exist. It's the premise for the whole vision, right? It's the premise for the whole vision of the, of the new humanity which is to come. It's the premise for the, no, for the whole vision of the new society which is to come. We must be free. We must uh, be able to determine ourselves. We must be able to make ourselves according to our, to our, to our own lights. God must not exist. Is the promise of the snake embraced as a positive value? There's something uh, similar in the uh, in the philosophy of Nietzsche. You know this um, um, very interesting figure who had the courage to see uh, all of the consequences of what he was saying, but he despised Christianity. It was the religion of slaves. It deprived human beings of the rightful pride of the noble savage. So, um, 
this, this summer, this summer, uh, so what can we say about the 20th century? What we can say about the 20th century is that um, it is a century that is dominated, at least in the West, it's dominated by this idea, by the utter independence of humanity. We, we believe that we, we do not need God, we believe that we do not, to the extent that we're moderns, and nobody is purely modern, thank God for that. Uh, to the extent that we're modern in this sense, we, 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 we do not need God, uh, and we do not believe that there is anything that is an absolute authority in relation to which we must humble ourselves. There's an orthodox theologian, David Bentley Hart, and he says, to the extent that we're moderns, we believe in nothing. Because nothing must be able to determine us. Nothing, uh, we, 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 we hold that there is nothing that's so absolute that everyone must bow and obey to it. An interesting figure in the 20th century is uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, you know, the great Nobel Prize winning, uh, no, Nobel Prize winning author. And uh, I don't often use quotes and homilies, but there were two that struck me so much that I just wanted to share them with you today. Uh, two um, observations by Solzhenitsyn. One is his, his discovery of the fact that we can't save ourselves. That the, the problem is uh, not other people. The problem is ourselves. The problem is the human heart. He came to this, you know, he was sent to the camps and he, he you know, he was brought up as a secular person without any particular religious faith. And, he, and in, the, in, in, the, in the Soviet prison camp, he, entered into a deep contemplation of the, the human predicament. And this is what he says, uh, that he came to himself. He says, he says, if only there were evil people somewhere, insidiously committing evil deeds, and were it necessarily only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And then uh, he, he goes on and he talks about that when he was a child and the, the real nature of the socialist revolution was beginning to reveal itself. He remembers as a child old people saying, this is all happening because men have forgotten God. And him thinking as a child, well, you know, that's kind of superstitious. But as a, a mature person, deeply contemplating the human predicament, when he's imprisoned in the gulag, this is what he writes. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that has swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God. That is why all this has happened. And if I were called upon to identify briefly the principal trait of the entire 20th century, I would be unable to find anything more precise 
and pithy than to repeat once again, men have forgotten God. So the cross of Jesus Christ both judges and redeems human pride and human rebellion. The cross of Jesus Christ both judges and redeems the evil that runs through every human heart. And if we would be raised with him, then we must receive this judgment and be abased with him. So what does this mean? It means that self-sufficiency is overthrown. It means that we come to the humble recognition that we cannot save ourselves. This is one of the great missionary challenges that we have in our time, which is that Christianity is the answer to a question that is not asked and that indeed is prohibited from being asked. Is there an absolute standard, and is there an author of an absolute standard? And must we humble ourselves? And can we perfect ourselves, and can we perfect our society, or do we need a savior? So what does this mean? It means that um, self-sufficiency is overthrown. It means that we humbly admit the limits of our humanity, that we understand that we're all capable of sin. We are all capable of self-deception. We're all capable of moral blindness. We're all capable of creating great woe when we're trying to do great it means that self-righteousness is not on offer for us if we're Christians. And it means that the moral freeze-on of moral superiority is not on offer for us. It means a preference for taking our own inventory and not the inventory of others. It means treating others with unwarranted mercy and generosity because this is the way that God treats us we will humble ourselves with him. He will raise us up. Solzhenitsyn uh, gives a speech at Harvard University, a very controversial speech. They were expecting him to criticize the Russian and the communist countries, and he, is, he, is, he's, he instead says, an act of gratitude to your Western hospitality, I want to give you my insights about the West. It wasn't the speech they were expecting. The last sentence of the speech, though, is this. If there is any hope for us, if there is any hope for us, there's only one way. 